0: This is the Nearside Low podcast brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low or Instagram at Nearside Low underscore podcast. We are back after a two-week hiatus. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And it is crunch time, Coach. Crunch time. We are rolling into uh, the end of the season.
1: I love this time of year. There's going to be a lot of excitement in the next two weeks. And so, uh, lots to talk about tonight.
0: All right. So, um, it seems so long ago, Ray, but I finally pulled it off. The question of the week recap. Where would your ideal non-RecPlex state championship site be? Take it away.
1: Yeah, so uh, I got 20 votes, so also uh, vote number's coming up. The vote totals, MICDS got 65%, Kirkwood got 25%, uh, John Burroughs got 10%. So, yeah, and as it turns out right now, the state championship is slotted to be played at MICDS, so I think the voters picked uh the site so and maybe they
0: had a hand in that decision making <laughs> yeah. process who knows
1: but um yeah so i know you know
0: ray we talked about using the recplex and i think we were kind of in a hiatus and i everybody kind of decided maybe this year would be a year we've got we've got great facilities maybe we could try and use these and and potentially go back there next year uh, i'm sure coach butler is just so sad to see Lindbergh having earned zero percent because I know he loves to host, so, uh, but yeah, that's kind of cool, MICDS, beautiful facility, I have not been to John Burroughs, I know we've talked about it before, you have, um, it looks like we're going to be playing there on Saturday, so I'm really excited to get to check that place out, so um, we do appreciate coaching-wise, you know, John Burroughs uh, obviously helping out, MICDS volunteering, Kirkwood picked up quite a few games, um, so that's pretty awesome that that uh, those, those schools and and teams were able to step up and help host a bunch of, I mean, we're not talking just varsity. There, there's a lot of JV games and state being hosted at some of these places. So that's pretty cool.
1: So we got another question, Ray. What is it? So uh, our question this week has to do with the upcoming district tournament Saturday. Uh, this upcoming Saturday is going to be the first round of the district tournament. Um, and we're going to ask, how many upsets are you expecting of those eight games that are going to be played on Saturday? So zero, one, two. Or more than, or three or more. Uh, I mean, I think, as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, I think we could see multiple upsets, and which is going to make this uh, upcoming weekend pretty exciting. All right.
0: Um, and moving into recap games, the crazy thing about this list, Ray, that you've compiled over, I mean, we're going back about two weeks, is I think every game is a one or two goal victory, which is crazy to have that many close games um, between all these teams. So I'm just going to run down them. You On 429, SLU 13, Ladue 12. I think that one went down, I actually. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Coach Penelia. I was watching that on the live stream. Um, it did cut out with like 30 seconds left. So Mission TV, boo. Um, but talking to SLU, I mean, it looked like, I guess they, they put something together in the last 30 seconds or so and got got the game winner. So that was definitely an exciting back and forth. Um, and then slew 10, P-Central 8. slew 11, Lindbergh 10. Another squeaker there, I think. It went way down to the wire. And Ray, I'm going to let you talk about Ledoux Marquette, because I know you had a little more insight on that one than I did.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that, that game, uh, I believe, as well, went into overtime. Ledoux 16, Marquette 15. Sounds like it was a close game throughout, and uh, Ledoux pulled it off in the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, the other I, I was going to highlight a couple other games. Uh, Lafayette has hit a couple of close games. I know earlier in the season, they um, had a rough start to the season, but um, over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten a couple of victories At a nice 17-16 uh, victory over Summit. Also, since our last podcast, Parkway South beat Parkway Central 10-9 to 9 on a Saturday. I think Central was missing one or so of their players, but still a, a real nice win for Parkway South. Those Patriots. And then, uh, yeah. Got to love them. <laughs> Carrying on the tradition. And, uh, yes. <laughs> this bet took, took down uh, Parkway Central 9-8. to So, um, I mean, just highlighting, as you said, the close game. SLU uh, had a couple real close wins. And then all the, pretty much most of the rest of the teams I mentioned are all top 10 teams, uh, which made uh, the uh, seeding meeting, which we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, I'm sure a little bit more challenging. All righty.
0: Uh, Water polo in the news. Uh, Ray, I did not see the article. I think you've read it and mentioned it. So why don't you talk about that one?
1: Yeah, so uh, another nice article in the Post-Dispatch about the Lindbergh win over CBC in overtime. Definitely a nice story. uh, Highlighted uh, Jackson Terrell um, in his uh, overtime goal and leading Lindbergh's team uh, in game-winning goals. So uh, I had some really nice quotes in there. Uh, by Coach Butler talking about Lindbergh's improvement throughout the season and uh, just uh, their rallying in situations like that. Coach Borella from CBC had some nice quotes about finding positives out of losses and ways to improve. So nice article. I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully Greg uh, around the pool more next couple weeks.
0: All right. And most of you probably got your latest Skip Shot magazine from USA Waterpolo in the news. And I was thunderstruck. I know Ray was. Ray, what do you got? Yeah, we, we
1: uh, made the Skip Shot magazine to our, <laughs> I, I opened it up and uh, there was a little section in there about uh, our podcast with Sean Stringham when we were talking about COVID protocols in Utah. So that was a nice, uh, nice little touch. It's on one of the first pages of the magazine, but uh, thanks to Greg, Greg Meskel and everybody at USA Waterpolo for putting us in there.
0: Yes. Awesome. The only thing that would be better is if I could get a signed or an autographed picture of Shieldy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, getting in there, skip shot was pretty cool. Usually folks, Ray has all the connections at USA water polo. And I said, Ray, how'd you pull this off? And he says, I had nothing to do with it. So, <laughs> uh, we were both surprised, which is pretty exciting. Um, I do know it is, uh, May 4th. Oh, may the fourth be with you, Ray. But uh, <laughs> uh, I did get off the phone earlier with uh, Greg Uptain of STL Today, um, and I know he had been calling around a couple coaches in the area, and I think he's going to try and get some type of district preview together. So, um, you know, if we get this out in enough time, my guess is it'll be up tonight or tomorrow. So check STLToday.com, um, uh, High School Sports, for that. All right. Awesome. Uh, anything else to add on water pool in the News, Ray? Nope. All right, so let's talk about upcoming tournaments or games that we are looking forward to. Well, there's only one, actually I guess there's technically three tournaments as we're rolling at the end of the year. We've got a JV tournament, um, which I know we weren't 100% sure if we were going to have this year, which is awesome. We've got a uh, varsity boys tournament. And, Ray, drum roll please. (laughs) We've got a girls tournament.
1: Woo! Yeah, this is first exciting. first first year, pretty cool uh, that they're gonna try and pull that off. Even with four teams, I think it's a great first step. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll just
0: touch. I was obviously on the seed meeting on Sunday. Uh, JV, I think there's about ten or eleven teams that got seeded. Kirkwood's hosting quite a few of those games. I thought Ledoux was too. Um, so pretty excited. And uh, judging by the scores of a lot of the JV games. You know, Parkway West ended up earning the number one seed. But I mean, we played the tonight and we only won by two goals. So I have a feeling there's going to be some pretty close ones um, because those one through uh, one through 10 or 11. I, I I don't feel like there is a, a large gap between the top teams um, and the bottom teams as far as seeding goes. So I have a strange feeling there's going to be some upsets as uh, as they make a uh, as they make a trip to the finals. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out.
1: So that's the JV. Um, you want to talk about the girls real quick? Um, Sure. So uh, as we mentioned, four girls teams are going to be participating. Uh, uh, Marquette took the number one overall seed. Uh, Lafayette took, uh, or sorry, Oakville took number two. Lafayette took three and Ledoux took four. So um, there's going to be girls tournament will start next Wednesday. Um, The 12th uh, we'll play Marquette will play Ledoux at uh, Marquette. And then uh, that game will be followed by the game between Lafayette and Oakville. And then the girls' championship game is going to be played in MICDS on Saturday, May 15th, between the boys' third-place game and the boys' state championship. So we'll be fun to watch. Marquette has played Ladue twice before, um, beat them by, by a, a large margin. Oakville um, also has played Lafayette most recently on the 1st of May. Uh, in Oakville won 13-6. So we'll see how those, te- those teams do. I mean, I think at this point it's looking like it could be a Marquette Oakville uh, girls state championship, but um, we will see what happens. I'm definitely excited to watch coaches and players go at it. It should be fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Hopefully uh, room to grow for next year, which is awesome. Right. Okay. So then let's talk about the boys varsity district uh, lineup seeds. I think at least the top three kind of fell. I think where everybody thought they would, Um, just by who they had played and who they had beat. Um, So the top three seeds were Parkway West, number two was Kirkwood, and number three was Slew. And then after that, well, things got a little bit muddled, I would say, Ray. Um, You know, just looking at the top ten we've got here, Parkway Central four, five Ledoux, six Lindbergh, seven Chaminade, eight DeSmet, nine CBC, um, and then we've got ten Parkway South. And if you guys remember, Ray just mentioned a, a couple games where You know, Parkway South beat Central by a goal or two and uh, DeSmet beat Central by a goal or two. But then, you know, you go back earlier in the season and some of these teams were beating their uh, beating the other team previously and stuff. So it was kind of a chaotic environment um, as far as, uh, you know, where where I felt as a coach, where I should be seating everybody. Um, And I, I think personally, from top to bottom. You know, I, as I mentioned, like we were, we were down or we were up by two against Chaminade at half when we played them earlier in the season. And I mean, Chaminade got the seventh seed. So um, I I feel like this is a year where uh, upsets can happen. Um, If we could call them up to upsets, you know what I mean? I mean, I just feel like a lot of these teams are relatively evenly matched, but there's only one, you know, three spot and four spot and five spot and six spot. You got to put somebody somewhere. So um, it's gonna, it's gonna be, I think we're going to have some early games that are going to be highly contested.
1: I completely agree. I mean, I think you could say anywhere from anyone from 1 to 10 could end up in the, in the final four for sure. So um, I'm going to go through some of these games uh, that should be played on Saturday. So We've got eight main games that are going to occur. Uh, first one will be uh, Parkway West with the number one seed versus the winner of John Burroughs versus Clayton. That game will be played at Burroughs. Parkway West has not played either John Burroughs or Clayton. Um, the, uh, it'll be a nice chance for West to get over to Burroughs. Uh, the eight versus nine game uh, is a is a very intriguing one. DeSmet at eight will play uh, CBC, who is ranked ninth. Uh, Dismet only played CBC once during the season and lost to them twelve to ten uh, on April tenth. So uh, Dismet, as we talked about, has come off a strong win against Parkway Central. I think Coach Wires probably has that team ready to go. So. Um, that will be a good game. Burroughs, uh, that, that game will be played at Burroughs at 1115 Saturday morning. I think that game was played multiple times. You could see multiple, multiple different. Definitely, so, definitely. so, uh, that'll be a good one. Going down the list, uh, Ladue will play Oakville Melville. Um, we'll, sorry, we'll, we'll play the winner of Oakville versus Melville at MICDS on Saturday that Ladue was supposed to play Oakville and that game was canceled, uh, Earlier in the season, so that'll be another first-time matchup. Um, so we'll see how they do. Uh, Parkway Central uh, will play the winner of Lafayette versus Pattonville. Um, they Central beat Pattonville earlier in the season. They have not played Lafayette, so um, that game. And then there will be a couple of games at Lindbergh on Saturday. Uh, Slu will play the winner of Eureka or North, and then Lindbergh will play the will play Marquette. Uh, the Lindbergh Marquette game for me is also another one. Very interesting. Uh, Marquette uh, beat Lindbergh 10-6 to on April 16th. That game was played at Marquette, so in a, in a shallow deep pool. Lindbergh obviously always plays very well in their own tank. But, uh, I mean, that, that could be a very intriguing game. Marquette at number 11, Lindbergh at 6. Um, both teams, I know, are going to be ready to play that, play that game. So another game to watch. And then uh, Parkway South will play Chaminade at MICDS at 1130 on Saturday. Uh, Chaminade played South earlier in the season and won 17 to 10. Uh, I think the all deep pool will um, potentially impact, impact that game as well. But that game is another one to keep your eye on. And then Kirkwood will play the winner of MICDS versus summit over at MICDS. So, and again, a lot of these teams have not matched up with each other and the ones that have have been close games. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the scores that roll out Saturday.
0: Okay. And, you can obviously find all of those dates times locations and stuff if you guys go to mowaterpolo.net uh click on the high school link and then obviously there'll be a link for varsity district tournament you can find the bracket and all that other good stuff there for both the jv and the varsity
1: yep. yeah and real quickly for the for the boys so then the uh so the i guess the elite 8 will be on tuesday may 11th the uh, final four will be Thursday, May 13, and the state championship will be uh, Saturday, May 15, with uh, the championship at 7 p.m. We are going to try to come on the air maybe once before that state championship game um, and see if we can get our uh, our good friend uh, Coach Don Casey to give us some uh, some insights if, if he is he is around. So uh, so we will try and talk about some of those later games coming up next week.
0: And this week, we've got a special guest, head coach Brian Flax from California. He's the head coach of Harvard Westlake High School and the director of L.A. Premier Water Polo Club. You might know him from the YouTube documentary Cap Up. So thanks to Coach Flax. Fast forward a minute or two, and you'll be able to hear that interview. Uh, Ray, you got anything else you want to add before we sign off? I do not. All righty. Well, this is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are out of here all right folks and here we are the near side low podcast we've got a special guest tonight hailing from the west coast head coach uh of harvard westlake high school and uh la premier brian flax coach welcome to the podcast
2: hey hey guys thanks for having me
0: awesome awesome well as we always like to do with our guests we kind of like to get a little background information on who they are and how they kind of fell into the sport of water polo so if you could give us you know a brief two or three minutes
2: on uh, on that we'd love to hear it yeah you got it um wow where to begin so i actually started playing the sport when i was seven years old i had a, lucky enough to have a first grade teacher that you know mentioned that they were starting a new water polo club at harvard westlake at the time it was harvard water polo foundation which doesn't exist anymore but was run by Rich Corso, so this was right around the time where he was the Olympic head coach in uh, the Atlanta Games, and uh, started playing there. Um, continued my career, ended up playing for Adam Kerkorian after I graduated at Harvard Westlake and played for Rich Corso at UCLA. Um, when I was, um, you know, when I was 18 years old, I was offered my first coaching gig back with uh, Rich and at Harvard Westlake coached all the way through my college experience and then right as I graduated, the Harvard-Westlake head coaching position opened up. I, I loved coaching but never thought it was something that I could do and live in LA and um, have a family and do all those types of things. So I uh, had actually you know, started interviewing other jobs before I'd even considered coaching. Harvard Westlake called me when I was 22 years old and said they had a position open they would be interested in me applying. I applied for the job and they were crazy enough to give uh, the 22 year old me the job. And uh, I've been there now for 10 years. Uh, I've also, now I wear a lot of different hats kind of in the water polo community. I I coach for Harvard Westlake, I'm the head coach there for the boys program. I um, coach for the Olympic club, which is a a master's based or uh, I guess professional based team out of San Francisco. I am the youth uh, head coach, so I coach the, basically the 1800 uh, Men's Team USA, and um, I'm the director of L.A. Premier Water Pool Club, so I feel like I coach a lot of different uh, kids, a lot of different people, but that's a brief bio on me.
1: Awesome. And uh, in between there, you played in college. I know uh, you played at least one year at LMU with uh, one of our friends, Matt Stepanovich from here in yeah, yeah. Louis. Yeah. So you, and you, you played, you said at Harvard West wake as well, correct?
2: C- correct. Yeah. So I played um, at Harvard West, like I was, uh, uh, was not a great player by any means. I was a good high school player. I uh, was good enough to get myself. Uh, somehow I convinced Adam Krikorian to recruit me to UCLA, went to UCLA, played about two and a half years there, um, decided to stop playing. Then I went to graduate school and I played at LMU for my, the one additional year that I still had remaining on, on eligibility.
1: Awesome. Okay. So uh, obviously you, you coach in a lot of different hats. I want to talk through a couple of those. So um, coaching now at your alma mater at Harvard Westlake. I think a lot of us in the Midwest know that school from some of the alumni you've produced from other sports being Jack Flaherty here in St. Louis or uh, Lucas Giolito. Um, so obviously a strong uh, athletics program overall. Um, talk about your, your water polo program there where the kids, uh, that play for your program come from if they're all playing water polo or they play other sports um just general background
2: yeah uh, well great question and uh love the jack Flaherty. i love <laughs> that's awesome uh he's a great player he's a great kid too i actually started kind of my coaching career um when jack was was kind of coming up on the rise and uh obviously you know we had giolito we had max farid who's with the, the braves now and uh and uh, Flaherty all on the same team together. So it was exciting times and I got to be a part of that. And I was actually at the same time as Ben Halleck and Johnny Hooper on the water polo team. So it was a pretty historic time wow. in, ter- in terms of our athletic programs at Harvard Westlake, which was real real fun. So uh, Harvard Westlake is a seventh through 12th grade. Uh, we actually have two campuses, um, one a middle school campus, which is oddly enough, our seventh through ninth grade campus. So our, actually our ninth graders, our freshmen are at a different campus and get bussed over the hill. And that's in um, Bel Air our upper school campus our 10th through 12th grade campus is in studio city so it's about uh, actually a 15 to 20 minute drive so we pull from a really like large area in la probably as far north of, uh, if i don't know how well everyone knows the area but almost an hour north of there and an hour south of there so a pretty expansive area it's a highly competitive school we're considered definitely one of the best academic schools in the united states and that is how and why we attract i think so many elite uh, students and families that are really interested in coming to our school. And then we obviously offer a really high-end athletics experience. One of the best parts about my job, and I think it's something that I mentioned in the Cap-Up documentary, is just the excellence demanded on the type of students that we're attracting. And so I think a lot of the kids that we get are kids and families that are looking to be the best at whatever they want to do, whether it's baseball or water polo, but it could be in the arts or, or many other different things at West Lake.
0: All right. Well, Coach, you mentioned the uh, cap up documentary, and that's kind of how uh, you came on our radar. I will be the first to admit I was in the stands at the JO 18 and under game shootout. Uh, obviously, we always, whenever we go out there, we always stay that kind of extra day because we want to watch the, the championship game. So we were there. Um, and so I guess, tell us a little bit about the documentary. I mean, all the kids that I've talked to and coaches I've talked to have really, really enjoyed it. Like, who made it? Was this uh, alumni or was this something you put together? Or, or how did all that happen?
2: Yeah. Great question. So I was approached about the documentary, uh, earlier that summer, we had a, uh, one of our kids in our, in our program, his older brother is a USC film student, Jonathan Joey, and he's worked with USA water polo. you a lot of people have probably seen his highlight videos right. on, uh, different websites. He's done it from JOs. He said, Hey, I'd love to do this for water polo. I, he loves water polo. He was going to be around. Um, he had a little more free time in his schedule, there's been nothing made of water polo, really, like a documentary like this. Yeah, and yeah. he said, "Can I have full access?" And I was like, "You know what? It's great for the sport. Uh, come along for the journey." And so he started that summer, really following us, and then followed us all the way through the 2019 season, which is pre- which is pretty cool. Okay. So,
1: so you got. I mean, he got a lot of. I mean, awesome video f- for you guys. How did that? I mean, was it? Awkward having another, another body in the, in the group, or did it make things a little bit different or how was that experience?
2: You know, Jonathan did such an amazing job of being so professional the entire time and really uh, understanding where his boundaries were at the same time. If you know me, um, I am myself all of the time. So there was no like me worried about saying something or doing something on camera that I wasn't worried about the world seeing. Uh, I have would have a tough time. Like, uh, stopping myself ever especially when I'm coaching so definitely not an awkward experience or anything like that it was just a like I said a blast that he was able to do it and capture such a cool uh, season such a fun experience for myself and for the kids that were involved
1: yeah so I mean definitely recommend uh the cap-up documentary for anybody uh interested in a water polo. I mean I I was looking on YouTube earlier tonight, it has over 30,000 views. And it's really cool to see some of the the comments there. So an awesome, awesome job just showcasing water polo and um, a, a great story overall. I, I, so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you say in that video. I think there's some really good tidbits in there. So um, just want to go through a couple of them that, that really stuck out to me. So one thing that you said uh, earlier on was that uh, if you want to be a championship caliber team, you have to be consistent. And that's something that I, uh, I, I completely agree with. Um, t- how, and so off that quote, like how, how do you teach that? How do you teach that at um, either Harvard-Westlake or LA Premier? What are, what are some of the things you try and do to instill that in your teams?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just having a really clear expectation of a standard that we have to play at all the time, a certain level of expectation that we have to um, hit uh, consistently. Um, I think one of the things that I really hit on in the film, and I think that Jonathan does a good job capturing and hopefully we do a really good job of is that there are things that are gonna be out of our control as coaches. You know, things that talent that comes in every year, or uh, you know, there's just so many, there's so many variables involved in winning championships. It's it's crazy. And I have actually been really lucky to kind of be on both sides of things. we you know, 2013 and 14, we won, and then in 2015 we lost, and then in 16 uh, we had a phenomenal player who ended up tearing his uh, uh, ligament in his knee. So, ended up our we were probably number one team through the year. We the closest game we had set was seven goals that year, and then you know, ten games into the season, fifteen games in the season, season was over, and we didn't win. And so, I've learned just kind of through my experiences that the focus really can't be on uh, result. We should never be focused on a result. We should be really focused on um, repeatable standards and values that we can do every day in practice. Whether it's hard work or commitment, dedication—those are the things that we should be focused on. And if, if we do those every single day, we're going to build consistency. So it's having, I think, a set of standards and then a certain commitment to those standards uh, on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, and I was actually going to highlight. I also really like the point where you talked about how the results should have little bearing on how we feel or how or how we did. Um, I mean. I, that's something I mean I, I can relate to as well I mean I remember distinctly like my my junior year of high school we all came in saying our goal is to win the state championship and my coach was like that's not a good goal just because of a lot of the same things that you just said I mean I mean a call could go go not your way in a game or I mean as you said somebody could get injured somebody could uh, somebody could get sick so um, I think that's a that's a great goal I think for for anybody uh, one thing you talk about in cap up a lot is, your review of video and the importance of that in uh, improving and teaching your players. Talk talk about about that, both at Harvard-Westlake and LA Premier, and uh, how, you, how you incorporate that into your uh, coaching.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I've always been obsessed with video, and I think some of that, honestly, was that I was a pretty undersized player in high school. So I always thought I could get a competitive edge just by Watching my opponent. Um, and so I remember vividly begging my mom when I was 13 years old to buy me one of those old or, you know, now old camcorders that a kid today would never recognize um, because everything's digital. And, uh, you know, f- fast forward now, we have thousands of hours. I think they were on the, on the movie that were showing, we have thousands of hours of video. And we are, you know, videotaping practice and games and we're getting scouted. We're, we're sending coaches to go scout games. Um, and so re- recently in the last two years, I had, we actually hired a coach, Matt Kuback, who was featured in the film as well, who has done such a phenomenal job really taking the reign on, on, on this department in our program. And so we use two programs. One is sports code, which allows us for any coach out there. I highly recommend, uh, allows you to tag your video and, um, make real, like, uh, break it down into really concise, um, moments that you can send to athletes. And then we use another video service called huddle which allows you to upload your video onto an online cloud service that your kids can then watch from their mobile devices or computers which is which is amazing so uh you have video all the time at your fingertips and one of our goals has been okay how can we take all of this information and then give it in small digestible bits to our kids and i think as all of us know especially if you're coaching high school or college any kid in school really they have a lot going on and so our goal has to be we don't want to waste their time, right? We want to be as efficient and effective with their time as possible. And so finding ways to cut that video up and make it so that it's exactly what they need, whether it's a, something that they might need to improve on, um, or, you know, scouting or preparing them for the next game.
1: Very cool. Okay. And then one other, one other, the, the last uh, part I wanted to ask about was, uh, around the 42 minute mark, you talk about, being nervous. And I, I, I really like this section because the the way you reframed, I think you were talking to your team before either the semifinal or the final game. And you talked about how, um, I think you used the words, you should appreciate that you care about something and are so invested in your life that you're nervous about it. And I thought, I mean, that, that, that goes for a water pole, but it goes for something else. Um, I thought, I thought that moment was, uh, was something that everybody could learn from and just, just, uh, just your thoughts on, on that comment.
2: Um, I was, it's interesting you say that because I was, I've just coached in my 10th year at Harvard Westlake and I still get nervous for my games. You know, I've now played, I've coached in 10 seasons I've co- and then I played it four. so I have been a part of 14 seasons and I still get nervous for games. And I realized, I don't know, at some point during my career, how lucky I am to wake up every day to be excited to go to work and then to be nervous and be so invested in this thing that after 14 years of it, that I get to be nervous and, and care that much to be nervous. And so I just wanted to tell the kids because I, I you know, I'm the same way and, and I can imagine how excited and nervous they would be for a big game. This is for the, some of them, their first championship, or again, they might be in their fourth season. I'm in my 14th season as, as a coach and a player. So just, normalizing those feelings a little bit so that it's okay. And and I think so many times people, um, especially today are like, Hey, don't feel that right. Ignore that. Um, why, why, why are you nervous? But it's okay to be nervous. It's actually a really great thing to be nervous and we should hopefully, um, hopefully you are nervous or, I mean, uh, unless you're, I I guess, I can't relate to someone that wouldn't be nervous, but, but you're a robot. If you're not, I hear you, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, uh, you know, I just think it's a really, really cool experience. And I and I hope that they go in and they have just an absolute blast being excited and, and and watching all their hard work pay off in that last game of the season because it's it's what they deserve to do.
0: Okay. Good.
2: So well, let's talk about.
0: I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about coaching journeys and I think about you know, when I started out as a young coach and um, I've ha- I have mentors that, you know, I- I've taken philosophies from and I've maybe molded and stuff into my own. And I know you said you took over Harvard Westlake when you were young, but were there some older coaches that you maybe played for that you, you know, you drew, you know, you drew inspiration from or philosophies from or did Harvard Westlake have a philosophy that you already liked and you just kind of continued that on or or how did that how did that work?
2: I have been so lucky in my career to work under and be coached by some of the most amazing people in, in the world, uh, and I and I really believe that. I actually was at dinner not too long ago with the current um, women's Olympic coach, Adam Cagorian, who I've referenced to already. Who right. is I, I will uh, pay tribute to him in a second here, but he asked me what thought what he, I thought made me a good coach and I for the first thing that I said was I've just been really lucky I've gotten really lucky and worked under some amazing people so I I'm always excited to talk about this because it's just I want to make sure that they they know that well first it starts with Rich Corso and what he did such an amazing job of was that he really just piqued my interest about water polo when by the time I was I was 10 years old he would make me VHS tapes and he would just Every night I would come. I was I loved water polo. He would just put a VHS tape in my backpack every night. I would go home and I watch watch a professional game or uh, Olympic game. And then after after uh, being coached by him, I went and got coached by Adam Korchorian. And that's when it like really things started to take shape in my life. Where he was just such an amazing role model. He was so professional. He made me see coaching kind of in a different light. And I was like, okay, this might be something that I want to do forever. And then Harvard Westlake took this crazy risk on me, like I mentioned. And, and at the same time, um, Brett Ormsby, who's now the coach at Jay Sarah, who's an Olympian, phenomenal coach, hired me to be his assistant coach at the, um, I believe it was the cadet team at the time. So we traveled to Pan American Games, and I got to work under him for a little bit. I should have mentioned, too, I got to work under another coach who is now the Princeton head coach, Dustin Litvak who is also an amazing coach. So I've just been able to work and be around a lot of amazing people. And it's just, it's been such a cool experience for me to continue to learn from them and and still be really close friends, colleagues, but also again, continue to be mentored by by all of them. So there's been a lot of people that have have really helped shape my career. I think.
1: Good, 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 good. So do you have any advice for uh, coaches who are just getting into coaching water polo, how they can get better and uh, what you would recommend they do?
2: Yeah, I mean, ev- use every opportunity to learn and to grow and to get better. And I know that probably sounds cliche. Put, put yourself in environments to do that as well. Uh, it's so fun and exciting to go watch other coaches take notes. I think one thing, if there's one piece of advice I could give to every coach is that I often go to ODP events and coaches love to like film a drill and take that drill. And I love, it's exciting to be around that. But what I would tell everyone is that when you're going there, um, not only not only take the drill and learn from the drill, but try to figure out why the coach is doing that drill in that certain set of circumstances. I think so many times that it, we live in a world where it's like, oh, I'm going to copy paste what I just saw in that, in that moment and put it here. And the fun part about coaching is that it's an art. It's this idea of, Oh, I wonder why Coach Fox or Brian was doing that drill in this situation. I wonder, like, if I did this, this variation of it with my group here in St. Louis or Washington or Denver, wherever it may be, and you know, make and really make it their own. Because I I can tell you the best way I've gotten better as I've made so many mistakes in my career. And I think the thing that's really helped me is that I was. I hired when I was 22. So it was just constant mistakes. I just tried so many things all of the time and just learning from those mistakes and just kind of going through that evaluation period has been, 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 uh, been the thing that's helped me the most.
0: Okay. So, uh, I guess we'll, we'll pivot a little bit here. Obviously this year has been relatively unique, uh, just across the country with COVID and stuff. And so tell us how, California water polo. I mean, I think the high school season transitioned, If I'm right in thinking that, and what are your thoughts on? I, I think JOS is supposed to take off take the, take off this summer and stuff. Or it's going to happen this summer. Um, after obviously not happening last summer. What are your thoughts on how has COVID changed things? And and where where do we see in the future?
2: Yeah. So again, I'm going to give you guys probably just a small scope because I live right. in just That's in this right. area, and so I'm I'm actually curious to know what it's like out for you guys as well. And um, but what it's like in LA, we are, it feels like things are really getting to go get, getting going here and, and they're becoming normalized. And we're, we're getting back to some normalcy, which is really exciting and mostly exciting just for the kids, because as we, we all know here, they've lost just so much time. And uh, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. And they just get this limited window right. to play and do this thing. And so just the fact they're getting back into it and we got, you know, a semblance of a season was, was really, really nice. And uh, I'm excited that we're, we're moving forward. I think the silver lining has been we're a lot more now intentional with our schedules because of, you know, in LA, my schedule normally is of the 52 weeks a year, I'm probably coaching water pole 50 of them uh, because we're in scrimmages and tournaments, traveling, whatever it may be. And so now we're just a lot more thoughtful because you have to be more thoughtful about who you're playing, when you're playing, you know, all of those, all of those types of decisions. So that's been really nice. Uh, like we're doing a lot more scrimmages, a lot less tournaments, just because in the state of California, tournaments aren't allowed yet. But because we're doing things like that, we're doing scrimmages, I think that coaches have changed their tune a little bit. We're a lot less focused on result and a lot more focused on development and coaching, which I think has been really fun. I've, I've been a part of uh, almost a scrimmage every week for the past four weeks. And it's been nice because we get a two-hour scrimmage in, the kids get a ton of playing time, but the coaches also really invested in the development of their athletes rather than winning games because we're just scrimmaging. So that's been a huge silver lining. We're all hopeful, fingers crossed, that we get an experience like JO's. Again, it's just always so nice for, I think, even for, I hope you guys know, for the California teams to have teams like you guys from St. Louis that we don't get mm-hmm. to see often come out and get to interact with different kids and coaches. It's just kind of a really fun experience and a really, I mean, I, every kid talks about it for, as we know, for years I still remember playing JOS as a kid. So, fingers crossed that happens. But uh, looking forward to at least some more normalcy this summer and getting back to some competitions and that kind of okay. stuff. Good,
1: yeah. yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, yeah, we completely agree with you. I mean, we love coming out to California, and from our side, it's always great to play against other teams, meet new coaches. So um, I'm hopeful for this summer as well. So um, I'll wrap up with uh, one question. So. Um, You've obviously coached uh, a number of great athletes at Harvard Westlake, including uh, Ben Halleck and Johnny Hooper, um, who uh, both have been very involved with uh, the U.S. men's national team. You also um, help as a a youth coach um, on the U.S. USA water polo program. Uh, What's your thoughts on the current state of the program? What are you looking forward to with the Olympics this summer? And where do you think USA water polo can go in the next 20 years or so?
2: Uh, yeah great great question um and a, a loaded question there's a lot there <laughs> one one i i hope to see team usa obviously win a gold medal this this year i mean that's i i'm gonna knock on wood barring something crazy happens i'll have coached two kids that are at the olympic games which is just when it's so interesting i don't have any kids yet but when i have a kid that goes to play in college or goes to the olympics i really understand what it's like to be a parent all of a sudden because i'm that guy in the stands it's like yelling at the referees because i like am that protective over them and so those two kids are, are like my kids um but they're just the, the best people and i'm so excited for them so I'm really excited for not only them but team usa i've been so blessed to, to get to coach a lot of the kids that are now because of olympic club or world university games a lot of the kids that are trying out or uh currently on the team i've just got to interact with them over the years and so it's obviously a talented group, and I'm excited for them. They get to open up with Japan in Japan. So, and 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 also the, the other caveat is, is at least they're having an Olympic Games. I know that that was up in the air for a while, so just excited that those guys get to have it have Olympic Games. And to the second question is where we're going. I think we've seen just in vast improvements in our sport. I think John Abdu and where he's taken USA Water Polo and our our programs is so exciting that ODP program is growing. Again, I was on staff. I was lucky enough to be the World University Games head coach. And a lot of those players are still in their 20s, or early 20s. And that's a really exciting group. They took a silver medal the first time in American history in 30 – or at least, sorry, the first time in 30 years. So we have really talented young athletes coming up. Uh, we obviously have a lot of young t- kids on the team now. So that and then you throw in that we're going to host the L.A. 2028 20, games. I think we're really excited, like really in for an exciting uh, future here at USA Water Polo. So excited to be a little bit a part of it, along for the ride, and, and to watch some of my players playing Olympic games. Cool, cool,
1: cool.
0: All right, Ray, uh, Coach. I'm Ray. You got anything else you want to add? I don't. Oh, okay, Coach Flax. We really appreciate you coming on. You got any final
2: thoughts? No, but I, I do want to make sure I thank you guys again. What you guys are doing for the sport is so freaking cool. I got I said it. The opportunity to listen to a whole bunch of podcasts so i'm going to finish out the podcast but i just appreciate everything you guys are doing and when you guys make it out to la you guys got to come by and uh we're, we'd be happy to host you guys. oh hey so, yeah i'm gonna so, remember that coach don't worry yeah any awesome. time, anytime anytime oh, anytime and we hope to awesome. see you guys this summer all
0: right awesome dude we appreciate it and uh we wish you the best of luck uh this uh this spring and summer and we hope to see you around